Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And as always, I am your host, Michael Sherlock. And all month long during the month of April, when many of us in the United States are thinking about mm, taxes, I thought it would be a great time to talk about money matters or how much money matters for all of us. And my guest today has a great background and a great story. And I want to, I'm going to talk to him about, you know, a little uh, side trip he took in his career, but uh, it's going to be very interesting. So my guest today is John Stoy. And after years of climbing the Wall Street corporate ladder, financial advisor, as he was a financial advisor, I'm already tripping over my own words. He became disillusioned, get this, with false promises of outperforming the market because we've all heard that from somebody at some point in time. Now, so at that point when he became disillusioned, he started a sushi delivery company. (laughs) And eventually he went back to his first love, financial planning. Um, But this time he did things a little bit different and his company verbatim financial, he's gone rogue with his pricing model and is applying his decades of experience and personal touch to help clients simplify their financial lives, which is so important. And he believes sincerely that done well and delivered fairly, good financial advice is more valuable than its cost and definitely worth buying. So I just want to take one little side trip because I was so intrigued by this sushi company sideline here that we that he took. And so this is what uh, what I learned about it, that he built and sold Rolled Right, a successful provider of fresh quality, restaurant quality sushi. And when he did this, he handled all the interactions with state and local regulators, designed operations, hired and managed staff, and he grew his annual revenue from zero to almost 700,000 by the second full year. And some of his key wins included becoming the official sushi supplier, I think you'd need a button for that, to the University of Georgia, Georgia State University, Kennesaw State University, and almost every hospital in the Atlanta metro area. And in addition, he introduced sushi as a healthy food option to the students of the Atlanta public schools, which just blew me away. So John, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my gosh, Michael, thank you for having me on and and for such a fantastic introduction. I I mean, uh, I wish uh, I felt as awesome as that sounded. You know what? We write our bios and we're like, you know, you kind of just put everything in there. And when you see it on one page, you're like, what? I have accomplished a lot. I am amazing. (laughs) Why do I still wake up and look in the mirror and go, "Uh, how many cups of coffee do I need to get through this day? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I hit some of the highlights of your bio, which I think are fantastic. And I can't wait to talk a little bit more also about the sushi company. But, you know, for what you're doing now, tell us a little bit more about you, your business, and how you help your clients to shock their potential. Okay, sure. Well, you know, I mean, you really did hit on uh, a lot of it. Uh, the really high levels, uh, high level intro is that I worked on Wall Street for um, two decades, and uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, 
but you know, after a while, if you start learning about sort of the underbelly uh, of, of what you're doing, um, as they like to say in government, seeing how the sausage is made, you, you, yes. you figure that out uh, that, I mean, you might figure out that you should love making money and that's fine. <laughs> but in my case, I, I started wondering, you know, is this really what I should be doing with my life? And, mm -hmm. and some of that came from, from, from being married uh, to my wife and she's a physician. And so she goes into work every day at the hospital and she helps people. She literally keeps them alive while they're having surgery. Uh, and so I know that she's so drawn to what she does and, and she gets such a, a, a payoff mentally, emotionally um, from that job. Uh, it, it's not monetary based for her. And, and for me, my jobs, you know, they were fun, but they were, they were monetary based. And so I wanted to, to do something different um, or I wondered whether I should be doing something different. And, and frankly, it was the financial crisis that, that pushed me into doing something different. And it turned out to be that sushi business. Uh, so so that, was a, <laughs> that was an adventure, that's for sure. So, okay, so then I've got to ask you about this. So why sushi? Just uh, because you're like, I love sushi or because you, there was horrible sushi food and, you know, sushi uh, options in the, in the hospitals, like what prompted this? Well, you know, that's a great question. And, and, and it's the, like most things, the answer is a lot more boring than, than it seems, <laughs> than it seems like it should be. Um, I had a friend from business school who had a small sushi grab and go uh, restaurant. Um, and he was thinking of trying to how to figure out how to expand. And, and he was in Kansas City, of all places, doing sushi because his, his mom owned a sushi restaurant. This is how these things happen, right? Um, you have to know like, something yeah, in order to get involved in, in something strange like that. Um, and I said, well, okay, the government bailouts of the banks combined with the financial crisis has basically put me at least temporarily out of work. Um, what should I do next? Here's this guy that I know, and I think he's got a neat idea. Uh, let's see what we can do with it. Uh, and so that's how I came up with, uh, with, with Rolled Right was sort of my concept of delivering wholesale sushi. And um, there's, you know, there's, a, there's a lot behind that. There's a lot of uh, food safety regulations that you have to deal with. Uh, and, and then also, frankly, a lot of, um, you know, preconceptions, pre preconceived notions about what uh, a delivered packaged sushi could be. Uh, and so, you know, we, we, we were, we, always, we often got the question, is this gas station sushi? Uh, <laughs> how fresh could this possibly be? Uh, but, yeah. but the thing is we, we made these products and we delivered them, um, often within an hour of making, making them. So, um, everything was fresh. It was fun. It was always good to, 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 to bring samples to folks and, and see on their faces, uh, the surprise, uh, when they, when they tasted it and they said, wow, this actually does taste good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then what, what got you to the point where you could introduce this as something to the, to, you know, the, the school system, because that to me is fantastic. Yeah, well, that was, you know, some of it was a lucky bit of timing. Um, it was a, it was a while ago. So um, Obama was still in office and Michelle Obama was pushing forward uh, the idea of having uh, healthier options in schools. So mm -hmm. it's sort of uh, dovetailed with that really well. Um, and it just started, I just was me just uh, dialing uh, and trying to get involved and get in front of chefs who ran cafeterias because that's that's mainly where we delivered. If you had a, an on-site cafeteria, 
um, we could offer the sushi as an option for 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 clients there. And you know, students have cafeterias, and so. <laughs> Uh, in the days of pre-COVID, at least, um, everybody yeah. went to the cafeteria. So uh, that that's really how that happened. And 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 that was a perfect example of uh, be careful what you wish for because of I spoke to the head chef for Atlanta Public Schools uh, for um, over a year, uh, mm-hmm. talking with them about how to do it. And then I kind of figured out the figured the deal was completely over and done, um, not going to happen. And then he called me up uh, one. I think it was in, in early summer, and he he says, "You know what? We, we're going to do this." And I said, "Oh, fantastic!" And so, and he said, "Okay, well, so we are. We go back to school on August 18th, and uh, I'm I'm like, okay, great." He says, "Okay." And so on that day, I need you to deliver sixty thousand pieces of sushi. And my you know my jaw just dropped. And you're I like said, you're like wait uh, you're breaking up you're breaking exactly up. Can't exactly hear you on the phone. I'll have to call you back after I pass out. <laughs> <laughs> and so then obviously we went through a, a, a bit of a back to reality uh, adjustment and, and and figured out how to do it. But uh, but it was, uh, you know, again, you know, if you're a, if you're an entrepreneur, those are the types of phone calls that you get. And um, and you have to be prepared for uh, you have to. Yes. When I talk to clients, uh, when I'm talking about their I talk about their investments, of course, uh, at verbatim. But I, I, I talk about their whole lives, their whole financial lives and, and, and being ready for not only preparing for potential, potentially bad things to happen and protecting yourself and whatnot. Um, but also asking yourself the question, well, what would I do if something really good happened? Because a lot of times people get tripped up on that as well. Yeah. I think that's so important. And it's really actually why I wanted to go, you know, learn more about it because, um, part of the great uh, portion of my followers on this podcast are entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in waiting. You know, they're like, they, they want to do it. They, they're maybe just haven't moved their side hustle to their full-time hustle. Right. And I think it's a great example. It actually reminds me of, of something that I had going on a couple decades ago where I was, it dealt with fundraising. And when I was selling Avon, you know, as kind of my side hustle, and then I was using it as a fundraising tool with um, DECA programs and, and it was going well. And then, but you have to be prepared for an eight week delay on payments. And all of a sudden I had the opportunity of a lifetime that I couldn't fund because I had an entire state school system say, we want you in every one of our schools. And I couldn't do it. I could not manage it. And it's interesting because right now, actually, it's something that I'm contemplating re-upping because it was such a great opportunity to teach entrepreneurship and sales to high school students and really drive, you know, opportunity for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've, now I'm at the point where I like, I can, I can do those things again. And actually we have many different um, companies that we're, we're anticipating bringing in, but you're right. You know, that it was like, you, you dream big and, and part of your head's always like, what if I fail? What if I fail? And I think we forget that sometimes you can win really big and you may not be ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, or when it happens, you better go, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm putting on the gloves. We're making the sausage right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's get going. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and, and so, and, and again, and, and I go through that because of, uh, because of my, my, my business ownership experience, you know, I do have also clients that, that come to me who are business owners or again, want to be. Uh, and so we'll talk a lot about, about, 
a lot about that and about managing cash flow um, and having you know working capital available for these opportunities. Um, because yeah, and and depending on who you find yourself working with, like. At the sushi company, we work with large food service providers um, like Sodexo's and Aramark's of the world. And um, they have, uh, you know, payment timing contracts. And um, you're either on a 45-day pay or a 30-day pay. And yeah. if you're a small company and you do a massive delivery, this is exactly what you're talking about. And mm -hmm. then and you have to outlay all the cash for the raw materials and labor, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have to wait a month and a half before you're going to get paid. And yeah. as we know, all companies, they often pay late, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, and they're going to pay the small companies last. If they have a contract with Coke, Coke gets paid first. Right. <laughs> if absolutely. they have a contract with, with rolled right sushi, a little tiny company in, in, uh, outside of Atlanta, Georgia, you know, they're not worried. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're only providing 60 pieces of sushi a day, you know, I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So wow. it's, it's, it's something else, but, uh, but yeah. And so, so that goes into, I think, um, you know, one of the things that, that, that I talk about with folks is um, thinking about uh, their exit strategies mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. you think about your exit strategy early, mm -hmm. not as a ripcord to pull when something's gone wrong. Um, but how do I want to get out of it? Um, mm -hmm. And that's going to help you build whatever it is you, you need to build to be able to get out on your own terms. And this could be get out of a business. It could be getting out of a job that you might love, but at some point you might want to leave that job. Uh, right. At some point you might have to leave it. It could be you know, voluntarily, involuntarily, it doesn't matter. Um, and so that's something that, that I focus on with folks as well. Do you think that because you went from, you know, Wall Street in two decades with that, yeah, you were being, a, you were becoming a little disillusioned, but you understood it and, you know, and, and then with a collapse, then being kind of forced, but, you know, I mean, you, I think you enjoyed what you were doing with Rolled Right, but do you, do you think that today when your love, you know, brought you back into this and that you're working with individuals, and I know you work with a lot of entrepreneurs, do you think this really gives you the a much better way to talk to people because you've actually been in their shoes and not only have you you know seen the the you know the job loss side but then the the pain and suffering and joys from entrepreneurship does that give you a different perspective today when you're working with people um yeah i i mean not to not to toot my own horn but but for <laughs> sure it does um yeah. and it's things that i still get reminded uh all the time about things that I never would have thought of before. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's one of these situations where, you know, for the first, again, two decades plus of my career, uh, nothing went wrong, basically. And if mm -hmm. something seemed to go wrong, like I lost a job here and there, I always got a better job. Yeah. Um, and so I never had to think about how to deal with adversity. Mm -hmm. uh, and that even was the case starting the sushi business. I just assumed mm -hmm. by now, because it would have been uh, almost 10 years later, I, I assumed by now we would have had uh, you know, multi-double digit million dollar company or, or would have already sold it for in immense riches. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and because I had never had any to deal with any adversity, um, but then I realized once when you're in it and you're running a small business, uh, 
you have to do everything. You have to deal with everything. So many issues that are outside of your control. Um, And how you, you know, sort of react to those situations uh, is, is really what determines, you know, what the outcome is going to be. And so I realize that sometimes you do have to lay people off. Sometimes you can't hire all the people you want. Sometimes you can't give out raises. A lot of times people are going to be mad at the boss. Uh, You know, these are things that, that I, I, and then, and then I stepped back and I said, boy, oh boy, I gave my manager at such and such a bank, such a hard time. I thought they didn't know what they were doing and blah, blah, blah. And no, it was a combination of, I was young and overconfident and they were struggling to deal with the pressures that they were dealing with. Um, And so now I can, you know, sort of apply that and give my clients, you know, the benefit of, 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 of my experience. And, and basically just, I don't, ever tell people what to do, or I don't even say this is what you should do. I like to, I just ask questions. And if you ask the right questions, in my opinion, people will come to the correct conclusion for them. Mm-hmm. That's the whole premise of my first book, which is called tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees. Because you if you are. ask, if you say, tell me more enough times and they unpack the issue, then you can say, what do you think you should do? And 95% of the time they have the right answer and you go, mm-hmm. great. I agree. It builds their confidence. They do better the next time. So mm-hmm. I can see the same thing with your clients where, you know, as you're asking them questions and learning about their goals and their, you know, exit strategy and their, their pain points in their businesses or professional lives right now, that as you ask all those questions, really somebody is telling you everything that they want out of their financial planning relationship and their and their um, investment strategy. And then you can validate for them, which probably makes them feel like you're much more in tune with you know, what they really want to accomplish rather than what you want to accomplish. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's not about me. It shouldn't right. be ever be about the planner or the advisor when somebody's in a a relationship, financial relationship with someone. So yeah, you're right there with you for sure. Yeah. And that was one of the lines I think in your bio and I didn't read it, but, you know, talking about the differences with sometimes, you know, you can look at different um, people in the financial industry and they really have goals and those goals are tied to profitability for them, profitability for their company. And that's okay too, because, you know, I mean, that's, I'm comfortable with sales and that, in that kind of environment. But I think when people are really sitting down with a financial planner, they want to know that your goals are their goals. Mm -hmm. And, And when you can establish that you gain so much more trust and then the relationship just really flourishes. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, that that is the goal, um, and frankly, that's why I, I founded um, my company the way I did, uh, which is to eliminate uh, as many, uh, if not all, uh, but as as many of the uh, conflicts of interest that uh, often exist in in the financial advisory arena. Um, so, verbatim financial is a flat fee. Uh, financial advisors. So we charge, I charge one fee that the comp- the customer knows exactly mm-hmm. what it is and they know what they get for it. Um, mm-hmm. the, the planning and the, and the advisory. Um, and it doesn't change because of the market does well. It doesn't go up. It doesn't grow over time, uh, for no apparent reason. Uh, and, and I don't sell anything. I don't sell any, any sort of commission products. So they never have to wonder, uh, like, for instance, insurance is obviously a big 
uh, portion of, of things in the financial uh, services world because of people want to sell because it's profitable to sell it. Uh, mm -hmm. Insurance is part of your financial world usually. And when I talk to folks about it, they know that I'm giving them an honest opinion of what they might want to do depending on their situation. And they know that I'm not selling any of it. So they, they can't, they don't have to wonder, well, geez, is he recommending this product because of the commission is higher than the other product? Right, exactly. And I think that's, that's ultimately what everybody wants to know is, are you really in this for me? And John, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Imagine starting a long journey without a map or even a clear idea of the obstacles ahead. That's exactly what it's like for entrepreneurs who start companies with a lot of passion, but without the financial expertise to grow and scale their businesses and create long-term wealth for their families. Find a financial advisor who can help you map a better journey. Wayne Titus shows you how in his book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being. With the right advisor at your side, you'll have the freedom to focus on what really matters to you. Get The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being at Amazon.com and in the virtual bookstore on the Shock Your Potential app. And we are back with John Stoy and we are talking about all things financial, but also about the, uh, the things that people, you know, should be keeping in mind when they're working with a financial advisor. And part of that is, you know, also try to understand what they can do to help themselves better manage money or better make their money work more better for them. So I've asked all my experts this month to, uh, help give us some top tips, you know, so that my listeners and viewers can say, Ah, I know John just gave me some really good advice on what I can control. So, you know, what are your uh, thoughts on this subject? Well, uh, the easiest way to think about that and use the word control. And I think that's, that's good. Um, the idea is that we should try to control the controllable. Um, mm -hmm. And then, and that part of doing that is recognizing what's not controllable. Um, we, uh, as individual investors, or especially as financial advisors or investment managers, um, we don't control the markets. Um, we're not going to make your portfolio of investments go up in value. Um, the, the 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 markets do that. The, the global financial markets are going to do what they're going to do. Um, we can't control whether there's going to be a pandemic, uh, you know, um, and so. I think the, the idea is then, again, to pull back, keep it simple. Um, one of uh, my uh, heroes, if you want to call it that, in the financial world is, is, is uh, Jack Bogle, um, founder of Vanguard. And, mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things he said was, um, uh, in investing, and this is the funny, in investing, you get what you don't pay for. The Ooh. idea being, keep your fees as low as possible. Um, don't pay for things you don't need. Um, don't overpay for things for no reason. Um, and and so yeah. And 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 so so what I do and try to do for folks is to help them simplify. Basically, it's 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 that simple. <laughs> um, because of and it and it's and it's funny what you'll find is that or what I find is that people, especially people who have had relationships with financial advisors they'll and they they become clients and they 
bring me their portfolios. Um, a lot of times, you know, the biggest work that I do on that side of the business is 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 untying the tangled web uh, uh, of of funds and stocks and bonds, whatever that that their other financial advisors have put them in, to give them this sense that they're doing something for for mm -hmm. them. And they're also creating unnecessary complexity for the clients. And all of it is often simply done to make the clients think that the advisor is doing something for them. Yeah. So they're getting more value. Right. Uh, they're getting more value by taking more money out of their accounts. The person getting the value there is the advisor. Let me exactly. tell you. Exactly. And I think that, you know, for a lot of people, it's daunting. Um, you know, I, I know I've shared many times, not just during this month's series, but with other guests I've had in the last five years that, um, you know, it's only been for me in the last 10 years where I have felt like I, um, should be asking better questions, that I can ask better questions, that I don't worry about whether my question is a stupid question or, you know, that, you know, and I'm, I'm 52 now. Um, so it's pretty, you know, frustrating to me to think that it took me till 42 to feel some confidence in asking the right questions. I mean, it is what it is, but I think that there's a lot of people that don't ask any questions because they don't want to appear stupid or they just really don't know, or it's, sometimes it's just easier just to let it go. Cause it's not harming me. I am making money, but you know, so kind of don't upset the apple cart. Um, you know, when you have people that really don't have that much, uh, confidence in having these dialogues, how do you help them gain a little bit more confidence in that? Well, part of that, uh, is going to be just an interpersonal relationship. I, I try to make people feel comfortable. Um, I try not to be intimidating. I don't. I don't feel like I am. Uh, mm. uh, you know, like a lot of businesses, the more jargon you use, the less communication you're going to end up doing, right? Yep, I agree. Uh, and so, and and that's the the beauty of it is that you don't need all the jargon. Finance, especially on the personal finance side, um, it it is pretty simple. It should be pretty simple when you stop understanding what the other person, especially if it's, again, a financial services uh, salesperson in front of you, if they're trying to tell you something and you can't understand it, it's probably not worth doing. Um, mm. the, the, the old napkin idea uh, that you should be able to put your plan on, right on the napkin and sketch it out, uh, and it should be understandable to the whoever you present it to, that totally applies in, in finance. Um, mm -hmm. Because I know firsthand how Wall Street loves to add complexity to <laughs> financial products. And mm -hmm. every layer of complexity is another opportunity to take money out of clients' pockets. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that because that was my old career. I, I, was, mm -hmm. I actually made some of the most financially complex products ever placed um, in the global financial marketplace. That was, that was my job. I was a, I was a structurer uh, of, 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 uh, of collateralized debt obligations. We don't need to go into that. If you're, if you're, if yeah, you're, uh, I won't have, I won't have any good questions about that. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's just say that those were part of the, um, the, the, the products that took down the, the whole basically financial uh, arena 10 years ago. Um, Good job, John. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> and, uh, and so, but so 
and that was again one of the reasons why I, I I'm like this is just crazy. There's no reason for this. Um, and uh, and 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 I got out and had my experience in in the in the sushi business. But uh, but then, you know, I, I we we didn't touch on this, but to let people know why I did get back in it, I was a we I sold the sushi company because of we had a son and I was a stay-at-home dad for a little while, and when he got old enough. I decided, okay, I want to get back into finance. Mm-hmm. What can I do? How, what, how can I bring something to bear? And, and you know, I, I'm not going to change the world, um, but uh, if I can, you know, help a few folks <laughs> with their mm-hmm. with their financial uh, situations, then then that's the goal. I love it. It's great. And John, we'll have all your contact information on the show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, because they're like, I think this guy is the one I've been looking for. What's the best way for them to find you and reach you? Really just to go to the company website, verbatimfinancial.com. And uh, there's a button, reach out. Uh, and, and I'd love to hear from, from folks. Um, I'll also put it out there that I do enjoy, and I hope people will tell from listening uh, here, I enjoy answering questions. Um, I don't mind answering a question or two. <laughs> Nobody has to think that if they, that they reach out to me, they're going to immediately uh, get sold uh, on becoming a, uh, a client or anything like that. So this is, this is something that I enjoy doing and, uh, and I hope uh, to talk to as many people as I can about it. Excellent. Well, and before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? I really think is go back to uh, the only guaranteed money that you could put in your pocket is the money that you don't take out of your pocket in the first place. So mm-hmm. ask the question, um, why am I paying for this? Uh, if a person is trying to sell me something or is telling me I should buy something, um, ask the question, well, how are they benefiting from it? You know, how do you get paid? Um, and, and that will help you, I think, especially in your financial world, uh, keep a little more money in your own pocket for, for later. I like it. I just wrote that down. That sounds like really sage advice. John, thank you so much for being my guest today. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Michael. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.